And welcome into the Extra Base Podcast. My name is Matt Cohen. As always, alongside me is Austin Matricardi. We are here on a Thursday night in Franklin Hall at the Media School. Just after the Kent State baseball game last night, we sit here in suits ahead of the IUSTV taping tonight. We will both be on the toss-up tonight discussing IU baseball, so make sure to check that out. That should be on YouTube by about the time when this podcast is posted on SoundCloud, t- Twitter, whatever social media you got, or whatever medium you got this through in general. But, you know, to just start off, Austin, how's it going? How was the last week for you? It's been all right. It's been a, been a hectic week, a lot of Hoosier baseball, so it's been busy. Yeah, and there's so there's been four games since we last were on the podcast. Um, I think highlighted by the Iowa series and lowlighted by Kent State last night. Um, so let's start with 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 the, with the positive, which was the Iowa series, and uh, Indiana swept the Hawkeyes to start Big Ten play three and zero. They were the the three wins were the um, sixth, seventh, and eighth respective wins in a row for Indiana. And, I mean, since that loss to Cincinnati, the team had been just absolutely rolling, came into the Iowa series with so much momentum. And I guess, Austin, just to, just to start off, I mean, how much better could you possibly have started Big Ten? I mean, obviously, like, they swept them. But do you think it was any better possible way to start conference play? I don't really think so. I think that what the Hoosiers showed over the weekend against Iowa was that they're a team that can win games in a number of different ways. And Jeff Mercer talked to this point. You know, uh, they they came out and they just dominated the game that Tanner Gordon started on Saturday. On Friday, it was a it was a testier kind of game. They they had to you know really really work to win that one. It was a close game. They came out ahead at the end. Uh, they gave up a lead, and then they came back, and they won it anyway. So they showed some guts there. It was a gutsy win. And then on Sunday, it was just kind of a – it was a bit of a grinder. It was a game where the the final box score might not show it as much yeah. that, with the final score being 7-1, to one, but Iowa had chances to come back and make some noise in that game, and Indiana just kind of had to keep pushing them back and pushing them back and – just doing their best to grind out a win, and they were able to. So I think that the weekend series was very encouraging. Yeah, and I, I think that just generally in in, in an eight-game stretch where Indiana outscored its, its opponents 89-33, to I believe, was the total, just because the offense just caught fire in the, in the Kanisha series. And even, I mean, you're definitely correct. Like, even as they won 7-1 to in Sunday against on Sunday against Iowa, excuse me, like it wasn't easy like the the each team had nine hits indiana had four errors in that game uh we'll get back to errors because that's been uh, a uh, a slight issue uh of late for indiana um but just generally i mean it's i think a lot of iu's wins season have not been pretty like they again against iowa on sunday they had five they had five pitchers in the game um matt lloyd uh came in struck out the side in the one inning that he pitched um but just generally i, th- I think for me, my biggest takeaway is just how good the offense has been outscoring opponents by 60, 66 runs. Um, oh God, this is a lot of math in one little monologue here. Um, I just, I just, I just can't keep, I just can't get my head around how much this offense has changed over the past eight to nine games. Just because they've went from that was the problem we were talking about with this team is saying when's this offense going to get it going, and that's suddenly not at all the problem. They've been just blowing out people. Yeah, one thing from that Sunday game that really caught my eye was that the Hoosiers were able to score against Grant Judkins, who yeah. might be Iowa's best pitcher. He's been their most successful this year. 
Uh, he pitched six innings, but he gave up four runs. Yeah. So I, I think that you know we were talking a little bit last week about how maybe Canisius wasn't the best team, not a great measuring stick for how good your offense is going to be. But you come out against Iowa and you put up runs like that, and you know Grant Judkins, who's a good pitcher, you're mm-hmm. scoring on him. I think it shows that this Hoosier offense is legit. Yeah, and I mean, even I would say in the in the Indiana State game too, when they put up fifteen, uh, I was fifteen rounds of that game. It was yeah. fifteen. Um, I mean, Indiana State, I think at this point, I would say is legit. I mean, they're twenty and two. I think the fact that they competed with IU the way that they did. They beat Illinois game. as well. Yeah, number I mean, twenty five. Illinois. I think I think Indiana State is is completely legit. Indiana I've, State I've bought in. That could be I, a tourney team. Yeah, I'm totally bought. They're. Their Missouri Valley is that they? I believe they are in the Valley. I, th- I mean, I think they could easily win that conference. I mean, I would say right now they're probably the best team in that conference. Like mainly, I also don't know if I can name you a lot of other people in the Missouri Valley. Um, I would guess Missouri State's probably in the Missouri Valley, and I know they're not terrible. Um, I don't actually know. So I'm Missouri kinda... State is on the Sycamore schedule. They're actually got they got a series coming up. I believe they got a game coming up. Oh, no, it's a series. They they're actually playing this weekend. Oh, so interesting. Like maybe, Missouri State's not yeah, a bad team. Yeah. So I, I I mean I I've totally bought in on the Sycamores. I think that's a really good baseball team and I mean that win for that that win for IU while not pretty showed that you know the kind of fight they showed that you talked about the uh, resiliency to come back earlier. I think that game really shows it because they were up big and Indiana State came all the way back, took the lead, and Indiana they I mean in a wild game they went back and forth. Indiana ended up winning that game. That gave me I think a lot of confidence and heading into the Iowa series that proved to the team that Canisius was not a fluke and Iowa proved that further. Um, I mean, I think just in general, there's. Uh, I think the RPI though is something that I want to also take away from that series. It went up uh, after the Iowa series; they were up to 22 in RPI. That was up 39 spots. Um, their strength of schedule is 33rd in the country as of as of today when when we're doing this podcast, March 28th. Um, where do you think their resume? I, and I obviously RPI is not everything. Right, but it's it's important. Um, but I think con- the combination of the RPI and the strength of schedule is something you really like to see. It because coming out of non-conference play, I think we were saying that maybe it wasn't as good as we thought it was going to be, just in terms of kind of IU's resume. Suddenly, I don't think that's true anymore. I think it suddenly turned into a really good resume, and for reasons that I would never have predicted, I think it's because of Indiana State. I think that what we're looking at with Indiana's resume at the moment is just – I think they're at where we thought they were when we started the year. They're yeah. one of the better teams in the Big Ten. This is a team that should be in the tournament. They just got to keep going out and keep showing that they should be in the tournament. And they, this, If they don't win the Big Ten, they're an at-large, and it yeah. shouldn't be that much of a discussion. Yeah, I mean, I think that's exactly correct. Like, this is a team that figured it out. I think, simply put, whatever Jeff Mercer said before that Kanisha series, or whatever he said after that Cincinnati loss in Cincinnati, something has been clicking for this team. They figured it out. They're now uh, tied atop the Big Ten. Yes, so it's only been one weekend, but they're up there at uh, fifteen and nine overall record right now. The only teams with a better overall record, just looking quickly, uh, Penn State at. 14 and 6 play is a better winning percentage. I don't know math off the top of my head. Michigan 17 and 7, Illinois probably the best team in the Big 10 right now at 17 and 5. Um they've not actually played a conference series yet, so they um aren't really in a mix in the conference standings as of right now, but just an overall record. Uh Illinois has the best one right now. Um 
Uh, did I miss anyone? I don't think so. I mean, oh, so Nebraska's 12-7. and seven. They're kind of right around IU as well. Uh, they've won six in a row, actually. Um, I know it's a team that you've liked. Um, but I, th- I think generally the Big Ten's kind of with Indiana starting to figure it out. We've seen like you know Minnesota swept its its first series. Purdue's kind of climbing back there at eight and sixteen now. Minnesota's almost back at five hundred. This is a conference of teams that I think, and I don't know if you would agree at this point, but this is a team, the conference at a non conference. The Big Ten is a conference that during non conference play I wasn't sold on. I didn't think it was that good. I still don't think it's the best conference ever. This and compared to the ACC or the SEC or even the Pac twelve. Um, but it's definitely, I think, starting to figure it out. I think Indiana is certainly one of those teams that are trying to get getting it together here. Well, d- during non-conference play, I was higher on the Big Ten than you were, yeah, and I, that I'm, that is correct. I think I, a lot of people were. <laughs> I, I believe that I'm still higher on the Big Ten mm-hmm. than you are, even though that you you know you've grown a little. bit. I have, you, yes. Nebraska has really grown on me. Illinois too. P- Penn State <laughs> is a very interesting team to me just because they they go down to Orlando and they get two of three from UCF and then they fall flat on their face against Minnesota at home so I I think that they they kind of feel like an x-factor kind of team right now at this point in the season but the conference as a whole it's been interesting to track yeah I think um if I had to kind of generally put a take on where I think the Big Ten is at right now I would kind of be looking more at um, a lot of good teams, not a lot of great teams. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any team that I would say right now that I would pick to go to Omaha if I was filling out my bracket. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, if, honestly, and I don't know why I can't get this out of my head, I still think Minnesota wins the conference. Like, even with how poorly they've started, I, I mean, they, they proved against Penn State that, you know, hey, we're still good. I mean, I don't know if they're going to host a regional at this point, given how they started, because they don't really have a ton of great resume wins from non-conference play already being 9-13 and 13 right now. So maybe that one seed that I kind of had them pegged for isn't going to happen, but I still think that's the best roster in the conference. It's mm. definitely a strong team. It's There's a lot of interesting dynamics going on with the conference right now between, like, from that Minnesota and Penn State series, I don't know I'm not sure what that tells us. Does yeah. it tell us that Minnesota's good? Tell us it, that Penn State's not like, it, is not what we th- thought they does were. Does it tell us that Penn State's not as good as we mm. thought they were? Is it a little in between? I, I'm not sure. Honestly, we're we're gonna have to wait and see how things play out. I guess. Now here that the, the, and then that's obviously true, but I think also you have the cases of teams like that are really easy to figure out, like Rutgers and Michigan State. Those teams are bad. Yeah, um, let's just. I think that's all we need to say about yeah, them. They're, no, they're not. not they're not good. Not great. Uh, those should be teams that IU should. I think IU plays a series against both of them. I do believe that so should as well. be six wins. Yeah. Um, and if not, that's something to be a little concerned about. Speaking of things to be concerned about, um, last night, at least last night for us when we're doing this podcast right now, um, last night IU played Kent State, a team that IU probably should have beaten. They didn't. Um, IU came into that game with a lot of momentum with the eight-game win streak, the offense rolling, again, outscoring opponents by 66 runs over that win streak in total, and they fell completely flat on their face. Um, I know Jeff Mercer, after the game, said something along the lines of, we didn't do anything resembling baseball in any way. Decent baseball. Decent baseball. Um, I mean, I don't know if they did anything resembling baseball. Um, Yeah. I mean, uh, it was bad. There were some, there were a handful of quotes, uh, I believe he also said that we did nothing well or nothing fundamentally right, literally nothing. 
which he's is right. <laughs> yeah, no, he he was very upfront with the media, and he he was upfront with his players as well. That was a bad baseball game, and he told us that even if they'd somehow managed to win that game, the message would have been the same because it was a bad baseball game. If you were mm. a Hoosier, I will say just on a, a quick side note, Jeff Mercer's been awesome with 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 the media so far. I've yeah. I've I've really. Yeah. Enjoy just getting. Like, I mean, I don't think I wouldn't say that I know him. I don't know if any of us would say like they know him really well at this point. But I would say that you know, he's been. I've really enjoyed kind of from being from him a bit. yeah from from what we can from what I can tell from our limited interactions is that he's very genuine. He's upfront. He he's not going to you know he's going to tell you what he thinks, and I believe that that's very admirable. Yeah. Uh, he's I he I, I think he's doing just a generally really good job so far just despite how bad last night was against Kent State. Um so just to take a look at how bad that game was. IU fell behind early. Um I think they made six errors was the final tally. Jeremy Houston had one, Cole Barr had two. Um shocker, those are the two guys that lead the team in RP and in errors this season. Excuse me, not R, not RBIs. Um you should have nine errors, so that totals to 18, obviously. Um, IU as a team has 39 errors through 24 games at this point. That's not great. That means they're averaging like more than an error a game. I don't feel like doing the math on that one, but it's it's not great in terms of defense, which is surprising because of how much Jeff Mercer prioritized defense in the preseason and how he consistently said when he was looking at his lineup, he was focused on defense. So, Austin, you were actually at the game last night. I was stuck at a city council meeting as God, that was terrible. Um, but I mean, how bad was the defense last night? Honestly, it, it, no, it was bad. I mean, six <laughs> errors—you you can't yeah. somehow spin that and say that it wasn't bad. Uh, overall, though, that game just—I I was talking a little bit about this with Max Heath and uh, Carl James. It—it it, it, it had a high school vibe to it. It was just a weird game. There were so many runs and there were errors and. The pitching wasn't great, and it just there nothing felt like you were watching a Big Ten baseball team that is among the better teams in the Midwest. It, it felt like you were watching, you know, Bloomington North playing against Martinsville yeah. or something. You could take the box score, swap out Indiana and Kent State with you know Linton and North Davies, <laughs> and I would believe that it was the same box score. I, those teams could have played that game. It wouldn't surprise me. Maybe maybe a few more home runs than you'd get in a high school game. <laughs> but other than that, it, it was just it was sloppy. It, it just it was not desirable from the 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 viewpoint of. Jeff Mercer and his staff. I I know that they were very unhappy with the way that that game went. Yeah, and I think I mean I think they were right to be unhappy. That was a game that not only was terrible to watch just in general, but it also happened to go on for twelve innings. It was very long. And I mean, so I'm looking. IU IU used nine pitchers. They did. Uh, I, towards towards four. the end of the game, I was actually stretching out. I was trying to see if I could get my warm my arm warmed up. <laughs> I you know maybe just in case. I, I, don't, I don't. I didn't know how many pitchers they had left. I'm gonna be totally honest. I forgot Austin Long was on the roster, and they they some he they pulled him out. I I mean I, I think that just kind of sums it up to that point of how that of how that game was. Um, I think what also sums up that game was I as I was in this I was in the city council meeting, incredibly bored, and I see Wyatt Cross's name and like the fact that he did something good. 
um, in all caps on Twitter. And I just assumed the game was over at that point because it said, you know, home, home run Wyatt Cross in all caps. I didn't read the rest of the tweet. So I, I retweet uh, the IU baseball tweet. I'm like, yeah, uh, Wyatt Cross, the hero. IU baseball wins its ninth straight. Um, turned out that was only a game-tying home run. And IU ended up losing the game. So I'm going to take the fault for that one. That's probably – that loss was probably on me, I'm going to say. I think that, that – I mean, you know – at all takes us exposed. I, I I take full full responsibility for that one. So I I apologize to all the IU baseball fans for that tweet. Um, and uh, I'll duck for the uh, the uh, imaginary criticism. Well, you know, I we usually say that as media majors, uh, math's not our strong suit. No, but um, apparently, but also reading is we need to, we need to work on reading, <laughs> yeah. Matt. We need to work on reading, okay, yeah, see, buddy? Well, see, what 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 they teach us in the journalism classes that no one reads after the first sentence, and that's correct. I didn't read after the first sentence, and that turned out to look really bad on Twitter, um, almost as bad as IU baseball did. Um, I mean, I, I think just in general, a lot of the points that we can say went wrong in the Kent State game were just points that have been the case throughout the beginning of the season when the team was struggling. Errors, the offense wasn't honestly that bad. They still put up eight runs. I mean, not to say that they were great on offense because I'm looking through. It looks like only six of those eight runs were actually earned. Um, so I guess that that's most of them, but the strikeouts were uh, not great again. Uh, in the 12 innings, it looks like, because I quickly add this up, IU struck out 15 times. Yeah, th- that is correct. 15 times. 15 times. Uh, three of them from uh, Wyatt Cross, um, who uh, also, so Wyatt Cross had three, Grant Richardson had three, Cole Barr had three, Matt Lloyd struck out twice. Um, just looking through this box score here quickly. Uh, Elijah Dunham left three runners on base. So the offense wasn't the best it could have been. Oh no, they could have scored way yeah. more. Yeah, they they could have. They had chances. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's the frustrating thing is in a night where you make six errors but have eleven hits and you lose. Yeah, like, like they they had chances to win that game despite how terribly they. Yeah, played. Uh, the one thing one thing that really stuck with me from post game with Jeff Mercer was that he. Basically, more or less, this isn't a direct quote, but it's the general gist, is that he told us that this team relied on its talent. It, it relied on its stars. It relied on guys like Matt Lloyd and Paulie Milto and you know Tanner Gordon. And, and guys, they, they rely on guys to have big games. And it's worked recently. Yeah. Tanner Gordon has come out and had a big game. Paulie Milto making great starts. Matt Lloyd will come in and slam the door shut. You know, Grant Richardson will come out and he'll go bonkers. <laughs> Last night, there were some guys that had decent games, but nobody had that big game. And you you can't rely on your your pure talent to get you through the game. You have to play fundamental baseball because if you play fundamental baseball, that doesn't go away. Big games, those go away. You have games where, you know, between Gorski and Lloyd and yada-da-da-da-da-da, Maybe there's there are some games where one of them doesn't just go crazy, and if you can play fundamental baseball, those fundamentals stay with you. They they fundamentals travel. Fundal fundamentals, you know, they play in tournaments. They play whenever you need them to because it's the building blocks of the game, and that, that's the point that he really hammered home last night, and it it made sense. It's something that we've seen over the course of the season. Yeah, I mean, I. Don't think I could agree with you any more there, but I wanted 
as we talk about the uh, the uh, big performances, I think that's actually a good a, a good segue, Austin, to uh, get off the frustrations of that Kent State baseball game and move into our to our three stars of the week. Um, it's weird for me that I'm doing my three star of the week and my third star is Paulie Milto, because Paulie Milto should be the first star for everything in every case and every sake of the word. Paulie Milto is a star. He's a star. He's an absolute stud. Um, and he's my third star of the week. Um, solely because I think there are two people that were better, which is impressive because it's Paulie Milto. Yeah, no, um, it's, it's fair. Yeah, like this was his longest start of the season on Friday against Iowa. I mean, I'd you could theoretically make an argument it was his best. I still think Washington was yeah, Washington's his better. probably better. I think he just like the numbers maybe weren't as gaudy in terms of the strikeouts. Yeah, but I just from a pure dominance standpoint, Washington was probably better. Um, he went so he went eight and a third. Um, about seven hits, uh, struck uh, struck out ten, which is a season high for that ties a career high. I'm pretty sure for Paulie Milton. That sounds right. Uh, I think. I mean, he's not the biggest strikeout guy, so I probably that's. I think it's a career high tie. Yeah, I believe. I believe it ties a career high. Yeah, um, I mean, he was his typical dominant self. I the offense didn't help him out at all. Um, they uh, IU won that game three to two, so they did just enough on offense. But Paulie just his typical. I mean, typical Paulie. I don't really it know. Was, it was a no decision for Paulie Milto, too. Which is unfortunate. Yeah, it was a no decision for him. So. Oh, right. That was the Kalitha walk-off. You're right. I well, I don't know why that didn't cross my mind. Um, But, yeah, like, Paulie Milto's dominant. Death and taxes Paulie Milto. Death taxes Paulie Milto. He's, as we've said all along, he is the guy who's going to set the tone for the whole weekend and at the top of that rotation. And he's, I mean, he's done that he's all the rock. season long. I don't, like, even against Tennessee, like, when he when they lost that game against Tennessee in six innings, he still struck out nine and only allowed three runs. Like he was still good, and that's probably his worst start of the season. I mean, he's pitched in eight innings three times. Like that's that's crazy. Yeah, he, no, he, he's been he great. He is, I think, firmly in the midst of a uh, Big Ten pitcher. Of the Big year Ten pitcher of the year. Right yeah, now. definitely. He's if he's not Big Ten pitcher of the year, he's first team All Big Ten. Oh yeah, but he should be Big Ten pitcher of the year yeah. if the season ended today. And of course, it will not. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the exact stats of the Minnesota guys, which I know those two guys are both absolute studs. So I don't want to like pencil him in yet as Big Ten pitcher of the year. But he's, I mean, no matter what those Minnesota guys do, he is clearly in the he's next worthy. Ride. Yeah, absolutely. So, Who is your third star, Austin? My third star is Matt Lloyd. Uh, he he had a handful of RBIs over the weekend. Uh, in that Kent State game, he had a huge home run. Indiana was down two going into the bottom of the eighth. Matt Lloyd hits a big home run. He does his trot. He you know touches the plate, and he just gets guys fired up. Then Elijah Dunham follows him up, and he hits a home run, and it's a tie ball game. So I, I think that was a big turning point in the game, even though they didn't win. But that was a huge play, and he also pitched twice. And you know he he. Pitched once in the Iowa series, had a good performance there. Pitched against Kent State, and he pitched well there too. So I, he just did a little bit of everything, uh, and that's what that's why he was my third star of the week. Yeah, I mean Matt Lloyd, I think generally has kind of been under the radar in terms of how well he's he's played this season overall. But looking at our uh, first two stars here, we have the same uh, top two stars. It, it's kind of hard to go against yeah, these I, two. Uh, yeah, I think that's exactly the correct way they, to They kind of had to. So both of our second stars is Tanner Gordon. Um, he has proven after kind of a shaky start to the season that uh, he knows how to pitch at the Division One level. Um, he has had two straight really, really good starts against Iowa. Let me pull up the box. Door. I think he had 12 strikeouts against he Iowa He did have 12 strikeouts. Um. He I mean, he was I mean great. 
I, I yeah. don't really know how Milto, else to put it. Milto came out and had that great performance on Friday, and then uh, Tanner Gordon, Tanner Gordon up, him. upstaged uh, yeah. him on yeah. Saturday. Which is impressive, because you don't upstage Paulie Milto. Yeah. That's not a thing. S- seven innings of one-run baseball, only gave up three, three hits, hits. Yeah. struck out 12. It was He was electric. Yeah. I mean, like, so he also, I mean, by the way, love the use of electric on the pod. That's well, well, well done. Um, keep in mind, also, he only faced 24 batters. So he struck out half the batters he faced. That's incredible. Um, I mean, he was named the uh, Big Ten Pitcher of the Week as a result of that, and I think that's so incredibly well deserved for a guy who is finally, as a lot of this team has, adjusted to this season. But he, not only having to adjust to having a new coach, has adjusted from going from Johnny Logan College to Indiana, which is a huge step. I mean, it's been done before with guys like Khalifa, but it's, it's not an easy thing to do to go from NAIA hitters to Big Ten hitters, well, Division One hitters and Big Ten hitters in the case of Iowa. Um, not that Iowa isn't Division One, but specifically Big Ten. Um, and I mean, Austin, anything else on uh, Tanner Gordon? You had to add. You you saw him in person. I he know. he just over his last two starts, he's been tremendous. Uh, he's really rounded into form. He's been what we thought he was after that slow kind of shaky start. Uh, talking to him and talking to Mercer, it just it seems like he's figured it out and he's good to go moving forward. So that's something to really be excited about if you're a Hoosier fan. Now, Austin, I would love for you to introduce the most obvious first star of the week of all time. Well, uh, over the weekend, the the best show in Bloomington wasn't at the the auditorium. It wasn't at the Buskirk Chumley Theater. The best Are you show. Sure? I'm the best show in <laughs> Bloomington. I I had a front row seat to mm-hmm. it. It was Grant Richardson. He was just tremendous. Uh, Friday had a bit of a slow start, uh, 0 for 4. Not a great night for him. Saturday, he just was firing on all cylinders. 3 for 4, 4 RBIs. He was drawing walks, stealing bases. He was tremendous. Then on Sunday, he goes 3 for 4 again. He he only gets 3 RBIs. (laughs) Uh, he, he hits a home run. He makes an outstanding diving play in right field. He, he was tremendous again. Uh, he kind of came back down to earth on or against Kent State on Wednesday, but Grant Richardson was lightning in a bottle in the Iowa series and deservingly was named the Big Ten player and freshman of the week. I mean, I don't think he's been anything short of unbelievable. Um, I mean, this was a guy that we talked about before the season as being a really talented freshman and a guy that could make an impact. I don't think any of us thought he was going to make no, this kind not, of No, not this much. Um, he, he's only played in a handful of games. Yeah, and he's like 10. Yeah, he's <laughs> second on the team in yeah. RBIs. Yeah, that's insane. The only <laughs> person that he trails after only playing in just under half of the games this season, Yeah, 10 of 24 games, yep. He's played less than half the games and this he has season. One less RBI, less than the team leader, right? And that's Matt Gorski. The and only... Colbar, actually. Is it Colbar? Oh, oh, well, both of them have 18. Okay, so he's. he's... Okay. Either way, it's one. He's one off yeah. the team lead. And Colbar has started every game this season. Grant Richardson <laughs> has played in under half the games for Indiana this year, and he is one off the team lead in RBIs. That is just outstanding. Oh, and, uh, 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 can I remind you that uh, he's a freshman? He's a true um, freshman. That's, I mean, it's, Not even a redshirt freshman. Yeah. He's a true freshman. He was playing high school baseball last year. Yeah. And he is Big Ten Player of the Week, which is 
nothing short of astounding. Yeah, I mean, this is a guy that maybe didn't have uh, like major national recruiting interest. I mean, definitely in the Midwest area, pretty sought after recruit. But I mean, I use found a gem with this kid. Um, it just through these ten games, just to read off his stat line, uh, he's hitting three sixty six and forty one at bats. Uh, he's scored twelve runs. Uh, has fifteen hits. Four of those are doubles. He has three home runs, 17 RBIs, 28 total bases. His slugging is 683. I mean, I I don't know how much more you could possibly say. No, I, I mean, he's been I, unbelievable. He was he was very very good. He's good at baseball. Yeah, I I'm, I'm hearing that he's good at baseball. Uh, from, uh, from from sources or is that a? It's from sources. From sources. Sources are telling me that he's good at baseball. Okay. Um. I. I. I won't ask you to to reveal your sources on the on the pod, but maybe off the record. Okay. I, we'll talk about it later. Okay. Works. Works for me. Um. So I think generally we've. Uh, I think we've ex- exhausted. Um. The last four games to this point. Probably. So let's look ahead to IU's next series, which was against the Maryland Terrapins, in uh, close to my hometown of uh, Bethesda, Maryland. As we had, they had to College Park. Um, Maryland, just to give a quick rundown of their season so far, they are 12 and 11 overall. They have not played a Big Ten game yet. Um, their most recent uh, this game, um, they they were swept last weekend against Creighton. Uh, I think in College Park. I'm not. It sure. was in College Park. It looks like it was moved from Creighton to College Park because of field conditions, according to D1 Baseball. That sounds about right. I think that's what happened there. Um, Maryland's 133rd in RPI. They have the 167th strength of schedule. Just kind of looking through here, they lost the Campbell in their opening uh, their opening game, ten to six. Lost the Coastal Carolina after that. Coastal, Coastal, Coastal. I mean, I don't know what more to expect there. Um, they swept Maine. Cool. Um, go, uh, go, go, Black Bears. The Maine, guess, Maine, yeah, Maine yeah, Black Bears. Yes. I think that's their mascot. I believe they are um, the Black Bears. Yeah, that's the point here. Um, <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, they uh, speaking of uh, of a. Good mascots. Uh, they took a series from the Hatters of Stetson. Um, they they did take a series from Stetson, which is probably the most impressive thing they've yeah. done this year. Although I don't think that's it. I don't think Stetson's anywhere near what they were last year. Like they're uh, that's fair. Stetson's ten and fourteen right now, two hundred fifty fifth in RPI. Decent programs too. Yeah. Oh, it's a great program. Um, I so I mean they, they were uh, they hosted a regional last year. Yeah. So they that's did. a good team. Um, but so Maryland coming in losers of. Six of their last eight games. Um, I mean, Austin is. Here's the obvious question: Here, is Maryland good? Just like a lot of the other teams in the Big Ten, the question is, or the the, the answer to that question is eh, maybe <laughs> they might be good. They might. They be might bad. not be. <laughs> it's it's hard to tell because they they've played some quality opponents, but and I, lost to them. Yeah, they like to the to the in the four games they've played. I would say against quality opponents this season, which I would say are Coastal and East Carolina, are probably the best teams they've played. Yeah, uh, they've gone zero and four in those games. Yeah, Creighton, and Creighton shut might out. be okay. Yeah, but and, and, they got shut then, out twice against East Carolina, including yeah. a, including falling victim to a perfect yeah. game. Yeah, that's it's not great. Not no, it's not yeah. very good. Um, <laughs> so we'll find out this weekend if they're good. Uh, I honestly, it just—it's hard to get a beat on this team, just like it is on a lot of the other ones. They've got okay wins. They've got—if you've got a, such a thing as a good loss—they've got good losses to good yeah. teams. They've also got some not so good losses. But Maryland has had a interesting season. Yeah, I mean, there's a. 
I mean, there's a very good reason why their RPI is still top 150 despite being only one game over over 500. Yeah. And even I mean, they've played their strength of schedule. They have listed as 167th, which I mean, I think that's maybe underselling it a little bit. Um, I think also Maryland gets um, kind of the boost of being. I mean, it's it's still a Big Ten program, and it's not one of the bottom tier Big Ten programs. I I've just simply followed them a little bit more than I have other Big Ten teams, just simply because of you know just friends that I have from proximity. Back home. Yeah, basically that's the only reason why. It's like, I mean, I was following uh, Maryland Baseball Network, which is a fantastic um, account. I mean, I've been just shout out shout out Maryland. Um, been following them for a while. Didn't never unfollowed them. Um, I mean, so this Maryland, I've gotten the impression from just people on that beat are just been so inconsistent. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see what it's going to happen in college park this weekend against probably one of the top three teams Maryland's faced all season in Indiana. Um, so just kind of the wrap up here, Austin, what is one thing you're looking for to see from Indiana against in the series against, against Maryland? And if you had to make a prediction, how many games is that you going to win? This weekend, I'm going to be on the lookout for the fundamentals. That's a huge sticking point for Jeff Mercer. It's something that he talked about over and over again, playing the game the right way, respecting the game, playing fundamental baseball. Uh, So I'm going to be watching for that. And I'm going to say that Indiana wins two of three. I I think that's a safe, safe bet there. Um, They they could sweep. They could. I, I think they win the series, though. I, I agree. I think I'm 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 going to go two of three games. Also, I think Maryland's it's I don't think it's gonna be blowouts like they've been in the past few games for IU with the exception of Kent State. I think it'll, I think it'll I think it'll be battles. Yeah, I think they I think they may be battles with a lot of offense. Um just because I'm just looking through Maryland here. They've they've I mean they've scored some runs this season. Um they've not been a, like I mean like, uh they put up eleven against Delaware, not the best team I've ever nine against Maine, uh eleven against Delaware again. Um, they beat Delaware eleven to six twice, actually. Interestingly enough, the exact same score. Uh, put up eleven on Elon, twelve the next day against Elon. Again, not the best team ever, but I mean they can score. Um, and some something that I'm looking for, I want to see how Grant Richardson bounces back from his first bad game. Um, as a freshman, I'm sure it's probably not going to be the easiest thing to do to be. I mean, to be as key part of a lineup as he's been to have one bad game, it's not as easy as just saying, "Oh, he'll bounce back." You, I mean, you gotta just see where his confidence is at, see if that kind of run that he's had is over, um, and if that happens, how do you adjust the lineup from there? So I'm, I'm interested to see what he's gonna do this weekend and see how he bounces back from probably his worst of of his ten games. Um, Austin, just as we kind of wrap up here, we guess we gotta. We gotta head out because we have a uh, a show to tape in a few minutes. Uh, yes, we do. Busy night of IU sports media. Um, any final thoughts for the Hoosiers? Watch the toss up. Watch it'll, the toss up. I agree. We will. It'll be, be on the internet. It will be basically a lot more of this, but just as good, if not better. And you'll get to see our faces. Yeah. Oh my goodness, our faces. Yeah. Are our you faces sure people want to see there. that? I, I, I mean, hope, I hope they're so. They're the money makers, right? Yeah. They're yeah, the money I makers. Mean, that's what I thought. If you don't want to see our faces, just don't like, watch it. No, just like turn it on <laughs> and look away and listen. Yeah, it'll be like this. But yeah, basically, you're basically watching the podcast just with two more people. Yeah, it'll be like this, except yeah. we'll have some friends with us. We got what Michael Dugan uh, host toss up and I, Jared Rigdon. Jared Rigdon, yeah. Jared Rigdon guest appearance from Max Heath. Ooh, yeah. Oh, we're we're getting the whole gamut yeah, today. It's gonna be fun. All right, well, so you can, make sure to watch that. Yeah, absolutely. Check that out. Um, you can check out our podcast here on SoundCloud, Twitter, however you accessed it. We have this thing everywhere. 
Um, check out our podcast. Check out each of our Twitter accounts. We're covering IU baseball like crazy. Even though I have been in Texas for a weekend and haven't been to an IU game and it haven't been to an IU home game since Cincinnati. But beyond that, we are still covering this team. Yes, that is that is that is true. I realized that last night. I'm not I'm not proud of that. Um, but yeah, check out the toss up. Check out the podcast. Check out all of our IUS TV products. And we will see you next week.